This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello. Right. Um, you're just about to hear the podcast from our first studio show. Um, which I'm about to edit together uh, because there were some technical issues which caused us to have about three different recordings. Uh, what you'll hear, there's probably going to be a couple of bits missing uh, from the conversation, but you're talking a matter of maybe a minute here and there uh, while we were switching over some of the settings that we had. Um, and throughout the course of the show, there's a occasional drops and changes in volume caused by, should we say, mic positioning and not caused by me continuously turning my head away from the microphone that I was supposed to be speaking into. Um, basically, a few little teething problems in trying to deal with the fact that we're now in a now in a studio. But do I do say this at the end as well, but um, pretty good if we can get your feedback on what you thought. A few people saying the room was quite echoey. I want to know whether that annoyed you in any way. Some people said there was maybe a slight detectable hiss. Uh, did that bother you? Did you hear it? Just uh, if you go to uh, net. Uh, forward slash contact drop us a little note on there let us know what you thought and um we're back doing these probably every week uh from a studio in late november uh so we're back to the normal uh normal setup uh for the next few shows so uh, everything will be back to normal but we're, we're thinking it'll improve sort of flow of conversation and uh, it was quite good being able to see the expressions on some of the lads faces when each other were speaking and things like that so we think it's going to add an awful lot to the show but we need your feedback to really know um what works and what doesn't so anyway i hope you enjoy the show and uh and yeah join us next next sunday well mm, i say next sunday games on monday against sunderland we'll figure something out and let you know cheers bye previously on homestyle radio uh, Doug has called me fat, basically, in not so many words. And we were talking about wide men. Thanks, He's Doug. He's right. He is right. He is correct. Well, Doug. <laughs> Although, because of illness, because I wasn't actually at the game, I had to watch should it be thin. Um, I have lost, I lost four pounds in a day through... Um, that money out illness. of your pocket, laying on your bed with your trousers on. What <laughs> <laughs> a lovely image for the listeners. <laughs> for all our contact information and to send us an email, visit H-O-L. 
Good evening and welcome to Homestar Radio, live from Airport House Croydon for the very first time. My name is Chris Hambling and I'm your host tonight to review an interesting week for the Eagles. Helping me do so today and I can see the actual faces of Jill Holyoke. Hello. There. Nick Gillard. Good evening. Get drunk today, aren't you, Nick? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Albert Curley. Good evening. Uh, we were due to have Patrick live from New York, but um, yeah. Patrick's Ebola scare. What did what? There's an Ebola scare in New York, isn't there? So. <laughs> I can't uh, confirm or deny that rumour. Uh, we'll begin the show by giving our views on the rumours for the US takeover bid by Josh Harris, who has a personal wealth of $2.1 billion, which is quite a lot. We'll then be giving our in-depth analysis of another controversially refereed match that saw Palace surrender a two-goal half-time lead at the Hawthorns against Alan Irvine's West Brom. Get in touch with your views on the show tonight via Twitter at HOL Radio. Facebook is uh, facebook.com forward slash HOL Radio. Go to holradio.net forward slash contact to email us or the homesdale.net chat room, which is holradio.net forward slash chat. I think Nick's looking after that, so good luck with that. Uh, But first up, it's news in brief. All the latest news from around Selhurst Park. This is News in Brief. Having won four of their previous five under-21 professional development League 2 games, Palace were brought back down to earth after being beaten at Nottingham Forest. Goals either side of half-time for the hosts clinched all three points and saw the Eagles slip to fifth position in the table, but still only two points away from a playoff place. Eagles development defender Michael Chambers has joined Welling United on a one-month loan deal. The 20-year-old was signed for Dudley Jamlet, this not a team player, and after a season at that level has gone on to become a regular for Gary, Gary is its under-21 side, playing 12 times last season and making a further six appearances this season. In other news, Mark Clattenburg is a massive... News in Brave. Get in touch with the show. All of our contact details can be found at holradio.net forward slash contact. As you can see, there's some strong opinions already from Mr. Holyoke on the, the conduct of the referee. Um, it's all a bit weird. We're all sitting in this room looking at each other. We've just enjoyed a lovely pizza together. I'm not sure about it. <laughs> nice. Well, normally I'm in my pants, you know, there's a, yeah. and, and now I'm sitting here with not nothing, in my pants. Yeah. With nothing at all. No. <laughs> it's just inappropriate. I best. thought that was the dress code. Security, you haven't been too happy about it. But anyway, well, it's, it's, a, it's a new start for us. It's a studio. Um, you'll be able to hear, hear things like Joe Holyoke talking over me uh, when I try and speak. And then shaking his head like he's done nothing wrong. <laughs> and then, um, but, you know, we're, we're, all, we're all sitting there as usual. We're going to go through... Um, what we'll be talking about first, the t- potential takeover, gents. Uh, the story is, the basic outline of the story is that Bloomberg, a couple of days ago, obviously a reputable news source, uh, leaked the story. And the story is that Joshua Harris, who owns the mm, Philadelphia 76ers and the in, the, in hockey, the New Jersey Devils. Um, and yeah, and he's a person who has, as I mentioned in News in Brief, a personal wealth of $2.1 billion. It's an awful lot of money. Um, but obviously, there's been quite a strong reaction on the message boards, and we'll, we'll try and give our reaction. Um, we talked to Patrick before uh, he was intended originally going to be on the show, and he just gave us a bit of information on this, so I'll start with that. He says, Josh Harris is a 49-year-old billionaire, co-founder of Apollo Management and an alternative investment firm. $2.5 billion net worth, co-owner of NBA Philadelphia 76ers and NHL New Jersey Devils. And he says, I like to buy great franchises that are undervalued. 
Mm. Are Palace a franchise? Are we undervalued? Would we ever want to talk about ourselves in that way? I don't know. He's uh, apparently, apparently a very smart businessman. Uh, University of Pennsylvania and Harvard Business School graduate believes in using analytics and sports science to improve the performance of his sports teams. His modus operandi, thanks for that, Patrick, is uh, to use the management that is currently at the team uh, if he feels it's working and not worth changing. So there you go. Um, awful lot there, gents. What, what if, well, my, my questions are these. I'll start, I'll ask, I'm going to ask, ask you, Albert, because you're opposite me. You're right there. Uh, what would he get out of investing in Palace? It's a good question. You know, with foreign investors, you know, the big American um, owners were obviously the first ones with the Glazers, and it's been well reported that they seem to do quite well out of um, owning Man United, and, you know, it keeps talking about how much they're taking out of the club. What he would get out of Crystal Palace, I'm not sure, because I don't think we've got a great deal of money. Uh, so it's a weird one, really. I guess if, if, he's, if he's keen on sports teams, you know, the, the Barclays Premier League, for want of a better term, is the place to be if you're a foreign investor looking to, you know, recruit a new plaything. So I guess that's what he gets out of it. I suppose that's the word, isn't it? The word plaything thing is what people are most worried about. Joe? Well, he gets a, a rickety old ground, so he's got no, uh, no pretenses. Um, I mean, I'm just interested, if he did buy us, you know, next year, we, we'd be billionaires. <laughs> and the, uh, and the gap between Brighton and Charlton and us will be uh, non-reversible. Um, but I just, yeah, it's, it's all very worrying, but exciting at the same time. Yeah, there's, there's sort of two sides of the coin, I guess. There's the side that makes you a competitor, potentially... Obviously, there's no guarantees, as, as you know. Certainly, if you think about the last US owner to invest in the Premier League was um, Khan, wasn't it? Shard Khan, at least. Sheer Khan, the tiger from the Jungle Book. <laughs> <That's yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it was never going to work, was it? A, an, a cartoon tiger purchasing? No, he didn't even get the bare necessities right. Oh, oh, oh right. Good night. <laughs> I'm only around <laughs> on a <Yeah>. Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, you. Uh, Obviously, you know, Fulham, Fulham didn't actually spend that much money anyway, but still got relegated despite the, the change in ownership. And, you know, they've not really invested when they've gone down. So he's obviously, you know, he is just sort they of... They did spend thinking. £11 million on Ross McCormick. That's true, yeah. That, yeah that's little, too little too late, really, isn't it? Yeah. It does seem that they're doing something right now. You know, turn, turn the corner, yeah. I think. Yeah. It's too good not to, really. That team, it, they took they're virtually the same team down. They, yeah. They've not lost many. It, it was a straight... I mean, Kit, Kit Simon's obviously taken over there and, and doing a very good job. Um, but it's just weird, isn't it? I mean, obviously, it's almost as if he went and did his own thing when he took over. It went wrong, and now he's probably having to listen to a few people who know a bit about it. I think those are the sort of worries that people legitimately have. Um, Nick, a lot of people saying that... Um, I think it's the word he's talking about. It, you know, it's being talked about as an investment. Um, obviously, Palace. I suppose, technically speaking, uh, uh, you know, there's no debt at Palace really. No. Um, so that's all. that's appealing. And then there's, um, you know, if we have, we've got a, a as you mentioned, Joe, rickety old stadium, but we're pretty much filling that, barring the, you know, the, the we've, sort we've, of. Um, we've got the undertapped catchment area, though. Yeah. I think you know, there's there's not many other teams of note around us, is there? So so you you look at how many how many potential fans we could have. And I, I was reading something that I know uh, John the Programme Seller was, was pushing on his Facebook page, um, where it actually sounded like a sponsor's... The, the guy had actually sponsored this bloke to say all these nice things about what great um, chairman he was for, for these different sports clubs mm. and really put the focus on it being about the locals. Um, 
There's somebody in the loft walking around. I think. Yeah, I'm not sure how much of that's being picked up, but that's, <coughs> that's the other thing. We've got incessant producers walking around and moving stuff. My mic's been moved. Tom's just moved Nick's mic. It's just one thing after another. I'm not sure about this, guys. But anyway, I mean... You make all the dancing point. girls are really distracting. <laughs> yeah. In fact, um, Northern Ireland Eagle in the chat room, uh, wholeradio.net slash chat, yeah. has, has said about the catchment area as well, saying we are undervalued because of it. It's a, it's a good point, but that's, that, is, that is the appeal, isn't it? That's, that's what... I suppose when I ask the question, what's he going to get out of investing in Palace, that's what it would be. But he's going to want a return, isn't he, on his money? He's a businessman, Joe. Uh, well, he'll get, he'll get a return because straight away, if he, if he invests, there's no debt. That's the thing. That's the advantage. Everyone else that comes into, comes into football has to take on debt and then dish money out. You won't have to do that. And the club's on a, a, a complete... Uh, a sure footing in, in every way, thanks to the, the, uh, the co-chairman we've got now. Um, but you, I just want to go to that catchment area. I remember when I lived in Addington 30-odd years ago, and it said that, that, that the catchment area for, for Palace then, included out there, was, was a million. We had the perspective a million fans a game, which is, you know, there's like 200,000 people at Addington alone. So if we could invest and invest heavily where we could, where we could get players that would be attractive, uh, play attractive football and, and make us a, um, a Premier League side to stay in the Premier League, then I think we could nick all these kids that are turning into Chelsea and, and Man United and Liverpool fans. Well, maybe not Liverpool fans, but <laughs> certainly Chelsea and, and, and City fans. We can nick those, little, those kids yeah. back and they're, they're, they're our future. You've already seen Avenue with, um, you know, with, with being in the Premier League. There's already an awful lot more Palace shirts about, and I think even in, in sort of overseas markets, you sort of, it, like Twitter's just you, a really good example of that. You know, even on the Homestar Radio account, you get people following, and you, you know, whenever someone follows, you think, who are they? Click on them, and you know, they're these there's people who have just got an interest in football from, you know, from overseas, and suddenly they all, they, you know, they want to hear about Palace, and they want to. Sort they of might be listening them. tonight. They, I reckon some of them probably are. <laughs> Um, I think in terms of one thing that I'd keep reading, um, and you can call it you can call it xenophobia, or you could call it the potential that people have actually looked at the success rate of the U.S. investors, and are actually saying, well, you know, they're not pretty, they're not really successful in, in English football. There's a lot of people who are just saying that they don't want hmm, that they don't want an, an American investor. I mean, foreign ownership is is a is a bit of a problem anyway. Well, didn't the Glaziers did all right out of Man United? Well, personally, they did, yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. But that's, if, if all you're after is, a, is, is personal gain, mm. then we surely aren't your... Aren't, you know, we, we're definitely not a viable option for, for a billionaire coming in. Like, like, like the, uh, the four... One of the key sort of... Um, I'm just moving away from my microphone. Um, one of the major things that, that, that sort of grew up... Sort of, that, that sort of gets me, really, is that... Um, it's really distracting having someone leaning over your shoulder, isn't it? <laughs> it depends on what they're doing. Well, yeah, I'm not quite sure quite yet. But, um, yeah, I just... Uh, look, we've, we've got a situation where, whatever it is, there's a, you know, if it's going to happen, which currently the only story that's come out that's got any kind of a reference to Palace commenting in any way is that they're saying that it's not true. Yeah, but well, we, we've, we've heard it before. We have Puff Daddy and Gaddafi and, you know... More chance of getting taken over by Gaddafi Duck, but I just until someone literally comes up with a perspective owner who wants to go public, then 
I, th I think we just have to take it as just as just as here. No one's going no to confirm it, even if it is in talks, are they? Really, you know, it's going to be there's going to be confidence. The value, no one bought it for, uh, but potentially much, much more. Um, so I had all that up, but then you only got to talk about revenue over a year, but a hundred million yeah, quid. Then there you go. Okay, Albert. You think we're worth 100 million quid? No, no, no. That's, I'm, that's oh, Chrissy's. I, I reckon. Chrissy's. Uh, I think more closer to 60. 60. All the four owners get Nick? 15 million back. How much do you think we're, you reckon we're worth? I haven't got a clue. I'm just looking at the technical issues in the chat room. Sorry, they, <laughs> they, they can't hear us. They well, I reckon hear. about 75 million. That's what I reckon. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, you, know, is, you are effectively... Well, we are plucking figures, <coughs> yeah. I'm aware there's technical issues, Nick. There's not an awful lot we can do about it other than continue speaking and just assume that everyone can hear us, which they probably can't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Moving on nicely. Moving on. Um, but, but this will go out as a podcast, so just bear that in mind. If, um, because it is being and what a podcast. And what a podcast it Come will be. Come on. It, it is sort of being broadcast, but apparently it's intermittently being interrupted by heavy metal, which... Uh, it's up to other people. Um, let's talk about the match. Let's put the fact that we. Um... <laughs> Sorry, the fact that we uh, we obviously drew two two up at West Brom earlier on. Earlier on, yesterday. It's earlier on, technically. It's still earlier it's just, on, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Take away um, an hour. Yeah. Um, uh, line up is where we always start. Um, let's run through it just for the sake of it. Uh, obviously, Speroni and goal. At the start, anyway. Uh, Martin Kelly played right back. Uh, Joel Ward played left back, as is the want of the manager. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Adrian Mariapa and Breda Hangland played together for the first time at cent in centre-backs. Uh, Zaha came in for Punchin on the right, um, and Balassi uh, kept his place on the left, although Joel would be happy to know that the two swapped regularly during the game. Um, Mila Yednak. Proves he's listening. <laughs> Clearly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mila Yednak and Joe Ludley started in the uh, centre of midfield. Just ahead of them was the returning Marouane Shamak, and Fraser Campbell kept his place up front uh, after some good form. So, mm, uh, the key areas for me there were the fullbacks staying the same. So, you know, we've talked about it at length in pretty much every show this season. Um, so, I'm going to go straight and talking about replacing uh, Damien Delaney with, with Adrian Mariapa and Hangland staying in. Personally, uh, I was surprised to see it. I thought Kelly would move across. Um, but having seen Berahino tear up the league and really quite and really struggle at times against Palace, I think it was probably a good shout having Mariapa in there with a bit of pace. Uh, any views on that, Joe? Um, yeah, apart from half of his goals are penalties, but uh, he's not actually scored loads of open play. No, I think it was it was the, the changes we were after, you know, right 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 away across the board from change the defence, put this at right back, that left back, get get Wilf in. You know, I, I I was quite happy with with seeing what um, with what I saw from the lineup, and after Hangelan showing last week, I was pleased that he, he definitely deserved he earned that place again, yeah. Yeah, and I he agree. looked good again, and I think I think he's. After the first, the early wobbles of, of coming in and, and getting used to everyone, you know, he, he looks he looks very good. It's a, you know, a complete turnaround for me. Yeah. Looks very good. 
He's, a, he's, a, he's an experienced player, and I think the problem that we've got as Palace fans now is we're, we're too quick to crit criticise, and Hangeland was a bit slow in his first game, wasn't he? But he was a rock again. Well, I, I, I watched some of his play yesterday, and what I did notice is he's not a hoofer of the ball. No, he's, he's not. not. Delaney picks it up, and he, and he likes to ping it long, whereas Hangeland likes to pick a pass. And if you look at him, he does. he, he, he actually... It creates time, and good players create that split second that they need, but he does. I actually think he looked, he looked very good last week, he looked very good yesterday. I'll tell you what um, sums him up a little bit for me. I, I did a little bit what you like to do every now and then, people watch. Yeah. I thought, at the start of the game, I'm going to have a quick look at... Because obviously I thought, you know, if we, if we lose this game, Hanglin's going to get you know, absolutely slaughtered again. And I thought he did right, all right the week before. So I thought, you know, let's, let's have a look at how he does in the first sort of, ten minutes. And what I immediately had a bit of a concern with him because in the few moves that West Brom started at the, at the start of the game, he, he stood off uh, the attack. He stood off the attacking players. Like, you're talking three, four yards behind everyone else. He stood right back. Um, and at one stage, like, I think it was Dorans who came running forward uh, to the edge of the area towards Angland. And Angland just stepped back. And as a result, he just gave, he just gave a really easy ball into Dorans. I thought that you can't really have that. that. You can't really have a player who's just almost afraid to, to sort of get close because of lack, the lack of pace. But you know, as it as it turned out, it's, it was more. It's, it gave him the opportunity to sort of read the game, and he got a challenge in shortly after. And that's what he does. Yeah. That's what he does. He reads the game because he can't be. He's too slow and too big to be uptight against like, like a small player like Berahino. All just spin him, and then he's gone. Takes him out of the game. So, like you say, he does read the game very well. <laughs> Completely. <laughs> right, there you go, I love that. Now we can see each other, you point at each other and like, yeah, point at someone who hasn't got anything to say. That's interesting. Um, <laughs> now, um, the other point I'll talk to you about this actually, Nick, while um, when the others are chatting. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, Zaha. Zaha started. We were talking about it last week. We were talking about does he come in for Blassie, does he come in for Punchin? Alex thought he comes in for Blassie. Myself and Joe thought Punchin. Um, really good first 45 minutes, I thought. He was, he was, and uh, he, he caused no end of trouble. He, he should have had that penalty, and mm. I'm, I'm surprised that he didn't make more of it, to be perfectly honest. He just got up and everybody carried Why on. Why didn't he make more of it? Did, did you see Wallace's comments on it? No, said, I didn't actually. He, he said they got told last week. I don't know if he was being a little bit facetious, which you could kind of understand. Neil Warnock. <laughs> I know. But he said, um, he goes, we got told not to, not to appeal so strongly for things. I don't know who told us. Us like, directly what, as a team? Or it yeah, was, yeah, it's yeah. a new initiative throughout football, I, I, I don't encompassing know. the top He's four and all the other big teams? He was suggesting that during the last, during the last week, he said that the message was that we had, we had been over-appealing for things. Oh, Jesus. Mm. Do you believe that? Oh, yeah. dear. So the players obviously didn't didn't appeal for it and Clattenburg didn't give the decision but having said that we're not, it's not cricket you don't have to shout how's that every time someone falls in the penalty area the referee standing right there we saw it in, in the crowd you know and obviously you do see things with your palace tinted glasses on or whatever but it, the ball had gone there was no there was no near the ball took the leg completely you could see it from an absolute mile off and um, I think we did by not appealing we gave Clattenburg the easy option mm. of not giving it uh, and that was a shocker Joe? I mean, I'm just trying to. What, what's, what was the left back's name? Pocanoli? Pocanoli. Yeah, Pocanoli, whatever his yeah, name is. Yeah, yeah. He, I'm he, saying that. He actually <laughs> didn't. He committed two fouls, 
then yeah. gave away the penalty and didn't, re didn't he didn't receive the yellow card. But if you actually yeah. look at the at the camera angle, I mean, I'm, I know I'm going away from the Wilf penalty, fine. but I'll go towards it to, towards the one we did get, and, and the Lino gave that. Yes. The yeah. Lino gave. You know, he was really well. He gave the three fouls, including the penalty, um, and the referee didn't give it. No. You know, it was only when he, when he was waving his flag, put it across his chest. But I, I could could have seen that going the other way as well, could because from that. the angle that he was at, the forty five degrees, it looked like he won the ball. I yeah. I, I, I saw it on on uh, on Sky last night, and it looked to me like it was a fair tackle. It was only when you saw it from the other side of the ground, Correct, from one yeah. of the other camera points, that you realised he didn't even touch the ball at all. No, no, no. He just took the player out. Just but, that, player but that's out. the view the Lino had, but yeah. the referee, the view the referee had. But you know, on, on, on all three penalties mm. decisions. He was he was really really well placed. Yeah, um, it, that's I guess that's the frustrating thing. If you've got a referee who's good enough to pla place himself in the right position, but still not give the right decision, that's that's a shocker. And he gave worrying. the right he gave the right decision for West Brom to be fair, which was frustrating. Um, it, was a, it was a challenge perhaps that didn't need to be made, but we will, we'll come mm. back to that. Uh, but I thought Wilf did fade in the in the second half, and we'll talk about the substitutions later on as well because they got quite a lot of attention. Um, uh, just a last word on on Shemak, really. Um, I thought excellent early on, and it, what was really good with him was he, he not just being that little that linchpin in the middle. He he got went back and he created some stuff just purely like did two tackles in a row, like one after the other. Slide tackle, got the ball, broke loose. Slide tackle again, got the ball, and then set us off on a really good attack. I think that was what ended up with Wilf being being fouled in the area and the penalty not given. Uh, and Schmack, he, he first half he really showed what we'd been missing from not having him in the team. Um, Albert, we've also you know, we talked last week about how do you fit him in when you've got MacArthur, Ledley, and Jedinak. Um, we've got to fit him in, haven't we? I think you have to. You know, there's there's still seems to be mixed opinion on him across you know the boards and the social media and whatnot. But there is nobody else in our squad that does what Marin Shamak does. He mm. the, the ball sticks to him. He creates space, and and you know it's it's always in good areas of the pitch as well. You know, he doesn't fanny about with it in his own half. It's always, he brings it down, whether it's from a, a goal kick or a, or a long ball, and he, nine times out of ten, he plays a good pass. That yeah. He knows what to do with it. He, knows, ball, what to, he? he, know, and he knows where to put it, and he, he's always got his head up. He shields the ball well. Um, you know, he he um, wins the ball back a lot. Uh, yeah, and he, and, so he, and, he, and he runs himself into the ground as well. You know, yeah. I mean... When he's fully fit, he has to start. In my opinion, yeah. certainly, certainly in away games, um, I think he's. Um, I felt the only the only slight negative on him, and I don't think it's a, is a, his a hair. Yeah. Is, well, there is that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I just think there's um, there's an element to the way we started to play in that second half, which again we'll talk about the detail about why it was. But we gave, we had a little bit of a panic uh, in the second half and just kept smashing the ball long. And when you talk about Shamak being able to take down a long ball, he can if it's a directed pass. But he's not really the player you want sort of trying to get his head on the end of everything continuously. Like, like ball after ball after ball hitting the channels. and you know He doesn't have that pace to get around the, that, third, that front third of the pitch and to, and to really get close to the, the striker ahead of him when we're playing that kind of football. So I, I thought it was right to take him off at the time that Warner did. But, and they, that's what worries me a little bit. If we're going to play that... The percentage football is does he win enough? It clearly worked. <laughs> yeah, my yeah, yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. A resounding thirty-one percent. Mm. I, I think though in the, in, the, in the first half you're talking about the players that did well. I think they all did well. They seem to be mm. playing for each other, and 
they didn't want another Chelsea second half kind of embarrassment again. I don't think they were they were winning the ball back quickly. You're absolutely right. They and they they the whole team the whole team did really really well. Um, now they've gone. Now the producers have gone. They're causing me all sorts of trouble. We can say what we like now. They're pacing around the place. They've just gone out. They've just gone out of the studio. The two producers, both of them, they're coming back quick. But they're really making a lot of noise. And <clears throat> so yeah. And I thought Marin Schmack, um I think overall he's a, he's just, you know he's a he's a really strong influence. What about Campbell side. yesterday? Campbell, good, great game. Played a really great game in my view. And particularly when you saw in that second half when he got switched to the right wing, uh, he can do a job anywhere. Campbell, um, constantly running, constant effort, and just. Holds the ball up really, really well. Only thing he lacks is probably, you know, two, three inches in height to make him really, really effective. Uh, but then I don't think we'd, we'd have him. Um, views on Campbell, Nick? He's, I'm liking him more every week. Every week. He's, he's running a bit better, a lot more like Cameron Jerome was. Hmm. And, and seeming to, to get the ball and hold up the ball. So, yeah, well, well together with Shemak, I thought. Joe? Campbell? I just saw he's pulling a face. Can I abstain from this? No, no, you've got to give your honest opinion. I'll give my honest opinion. I think Gale should be playing in front of him. Mm. He's their top scorer. Say again, he was their top scorer last season. And I, I can't see what he's doing wrong. Um, I mean, obviously, Campbell had three goals in four games. Decent threat, sort of creating his own chances at times. All I say to you is that Gale can score left foot, right foot, header and screamers from 30 yards. Mm. And all I've seen Campbell do, I, I will say he had a good game last, and he had a good game. He's had a good game the last two the two games. If it's just you know put in pressure, but, but we you know he's, he's scored. He doesn't score enough. Mm. I, I just would like to see Gale. You know, but you've got you've got Wilf, you've got Yannick, everyone we wanted to play to scare the pants off of sides, except for Gale. I, I think I think he's faster, and I think he. And the other the other thing I've, I said as well is that Gale is a near post striker. He will attack the near post on crosses, and and uh, and Campbell won't. He won't deviate from his run. So it, it's, it's it's a it's bad for me to criticise him because of yeah. the way that he played yesterday. Mm-hmm. But I just would rather see I would rather see Gale. No, you're, you're in, yeah, you're entitled to to, to rate well, a player. Right. Right. And, and if and he's going to score player. every game, you bloody play him. But I mean, I, I say. I, is he going to score every game? I'm, I'm, I really like Dwight Gale, and, and I would be perfectly happy if he was in place of Campbell. But I think Campbell's done nothing wrong at all. Nothing, no, you're right. You're right. And he scored against wrong. Chelsea. Like I said, he, yeah. for me, he was our man in the match against Chelsea. Yeah. Um, but but I, I just would, I would like to see Gale at least introduced. I mean, it's just he's the second most expensive player in our club's history, mm. and the geezer's, you know, he's, he's obviously got the warmest arse in the Premier League because he's just sitting on the bench. All the time. It's a good face there, Albert. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing about it, is we can see each other's faces yeah, now. Yeah. I nearly had a giggling fit earlier on, but I won't tell you what about. Um, all right, that's, that's a bit of chat on the line-up. Um, uh, I have, we have got a bit of, well, I say a bit of breaking, breaking news. I'm going to try and look it up on the, uh, on the computer while I'm talking, but apparently the Daily Mail have broken that the Harris talks were at adva- an advanced stage. Yeah, thanks to Dweeb in the chat room for that yeah, bit cheers, of information. Um, From which source, sorry? That's the, the Daily Mail. Oh, OK. Uh, Are they also saying that the talks will give you cancer? Cause they, <laughs> they will, yeah, yeah. No, they won't give and you cancer. And they killed Diana. Oh, that's the Express. Yeah, oh, that is the Express, you're quite right. Is, haven't we got our own Ben Nagel? Ben, at, at, disappearing Ben Nagel. Shouldn't he, be, shouldn't he be giving us more tippets and info than he does? Well, he's only making the tea. 
Ah, student Ben. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, he's, as, I, as I keep reminding him, he's writing stories about Luke Shaw having dinner. Um, sorry, Ben. We, we love you, really. <laughs> um, okay, so um, talking about the, the, the start, the start of the game, actually get into the, the nuts and bolts of it. At the start of the game, it was scrappy, end-to-end sort of stuff. Um, nothing really, nothing really going on. Palace found their rhythm first, and once they did, it was just Palace. Um, you know, West Brom couldn't get hold of the ball, and it was, it was almost the mirror image of what I'm doing the second half in a lot of ways. Of Sahar Balassi on either wing and swapping over caused a bit of panic. Um, we're trying to get the uh, the story up. Just incredible moment as an RAF tornado flew so low above a couple taking a stroll in the Welsh countryside that they could see pilots' faces. It's a good headline. Probably shouldn't let that distract me. No. Um, uh, Campbell's movement up top was, was causing a lot of issues, uh, opened an awful lot of space, and we started seeing Ledley getting forward a bit, um, and then the two wingers sort of coming inside and, and sort of getting a bit more cohesion up top. So, you know, certainly certainly helped a great deal. Um, and we've talked about the Wilf Zaha penalty. Obviously, uh, didn't wasn't given, should have been given, and really an unbelievable decision. And at that moment, you think, here we go again. Um, but it didn't let it stop us. I mean, Yannick Blassi had a couple of early chances and wasn't that long into it and it went until Braid Handling got his goal. Um, we've talked a bit about Handling. We'll, we'll talk a bit more about him in a sec. But the goal itself, obviously, corner came in, got his head to it, managed to head it directly into the back of Mila Jednak. Um, but the ball broke kindly and a nice, nice volley into the net. So it's class, wasn't it? Wasn't it, Albert? Does that go down as a Jednak assist? <laughs> I think it does. I'm yeah. just thinking for fantasy football points here. Uh, yeah, you know, we're away from home, even under Pulis, you know, we're always looking to take advantage of set pieces. And, you know, like him or loathe him, Hangerland, he's going to be a bit of a menace in the box, isn't he? You know, we've got some, certainly got some, some tall players. I can't remember a time when we had so much height in the team. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and fair play to me, he's, considering he's, he's headed it and it's come back to him instantaneously, he's done well to react and... and what can only be described as lashing it into the net. Um, I, I must admit, I wasn't ever expecting to see Hangerland score with his feet for Palace. No. I thought all the goals would be with the head. Yeah. No, he, and, and quick reaction, reaction, really quick reaction. It was, yeah, it was. And that's what we talked about before, I suppose, is that his experience is a bit calm. Really worried about what Joe's looking at on the internet with that face. <laughs> um, I think he needs to stop, whatever it is. Um, no. <laughs> so, I mean, okay, look. The thing about Hangland, we talked about him a fair bit. Um, he had a really tough start. He didn't have a proper pre-season. It's sort of worth bearing in mind. Um, and and, and oh, keep getting calls. Come on, what? What's happened? Just tell me. Just tell me now. Oh, okay. We have got some listeners' thoughts, but I can't read it from that screen. My eyes don't work. Well, I will come to you in a sec, listeners. Don't worry. Um, I'm going to try and get Gerald to talk to me a little bit about more about Hangman. Do you think that, that um, it's a fair point that that his stru- the struggles at the start were probably more to do with a lack of match sharpness? Hangland. Um, I say he had no, no. pre-season because he'd been kicked out of Fulham because of Felix McGaff's insane regime. Yeah, the cheesy regime. The cheesy <laughs> regime. I yeah, but what was it? It was Hangland, wasn't it? It was Hangland. Yeah, yeah. But the cheese. He was cheese get on the kid. leg. Do you hear about that? The cure of the thigh injury with, about with some cheese. Fromage, I don't know. Yeah. Um, no, I, 
Look, he's, he's, a professional, he's a professional sportsman, and you would think at his age that he wouldn't have been sitting around. He'd have been on an exercise bike. He would have been... He, he, he would have been doing some form of exercise. So it's not like he came into it unfit. And, and to be honest with you, even with no pre-season, he, he, he's not turned up um, like KG. You know, he's, he's turned up in a, so he can play football. Um, it's just taken a little while to get used to everything, to, you know, playing in a library all year, and then all of a sudden he's playing in a, in a, a little creaky stadium that's full of noise and... and, and we're not, you know, we haven't got plastic fans in the ground that are going to sit there and, you know, people will berate you if you're not very good. Or I you think he's probably something. confused because he's looking for the neutral section. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can't, yeah. can't see one of those at Celeste. But no, I, I just think he's, you know, we can see. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Now, why we bought him? You know, he, he definitely adds stability. Um, I just, I just, he just reminds me of of a player that you you won't remember, Mark, for you kids, but a guy called Wright, Mark Wright, who used to play for Liverpool, and he used to pick the ball up. Always used to have loads and loads of time and be able to take four or five step forwards, and he, he, he did that. He did that a couple of times yesterday, and I just, I just like the calming influence of uh, instead of us just whacking it and panicking. Like we have been, you know, yeah, it's nice. An if we have head. another couple of players like that, and, and we really will be, you know, mid-table. Mm. I've done some criticism from from Gareth Jones about our echoing voices. That'd be the size of the room, yeah. Gareth. Yeah. We'll, we'll try and do better. Yeah, I think if we all put a massive blanket over ourselves, right, that'll work, won't it? Just wait till they hear the show from the Albert Hall. That will be echoing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Trying to work out what the what the tweet was that people are actually replying to. Um, for a lot of these things. Maybe someone will tell me at some point, um, producers. But, um, yeah, I mean, I just, just picked up one that said, what, what a, you know, someone's talking about, you know, can we get some love for Hamlet? I think, coincidentally, we've just done that. That's Kevin Gunner who got in touch there and Grant, uh, Grant Gillard, your, your brother Nick, also said that Hamlet was absolutely outstanding yesterday. Um, Marco Traversi said that Ledley was superb for us and Clattenburg for, uh, for, was superb for West Brom. <laughs> Yeah, just yeah, that's, that's made me giggle a bit. Um, so, uh, performers of the week—that's what we're talking about. <laughs> Brilliant! Cheers, lads. Um, okay, that makes much more sense now. Ledley and Kelly, Crystal Palace gifs, picking that one up. Superb yesterday. Um, and uh, I'll just yeah, Daly was saying that we missed Cameron Jerome, who um, would have put West Brom under much more pressure in the second half. Who said that? Someone called Daly. Thompson. D. Lama Ball. Okay. Uh, I, think they've, said, I think they've got um, a point. Re- he said re- re- reference Gale does not work anywhere near as hard as Campbell. Joe, write a reply. 
We'll have to reply to that. It's ridiculous. So he wants to bring Cameron Jerome back. That was no. someone else. Uh, no, it was the same person. Oh, it was the same person. <laughs> Could use in the same tone there. <laughs> um, I think there is an argument to say we miss Cameron Jerome. Do you? I, yeah. I, I actually, yeah, I agree. Argue away then. All right. We well, um, want to fight. <laughs> do you not think he... Um, no, we do. I think he, um, again, you know, it's, it's, a very, it's a very specific role to play out in a team that doesn't, you know, doesn't warrant a load of glory. But, you know, you think of the, how many miles must Cameron Jerome have run for us mm. last season? And it was, it was vital. It was, you know... He's not Forrest Gump, is he? I mean... <laughs> uh, uh, just... You know, you have to work hard. You have to work hard. Everyone should be running about. Yeah, but that's the point. Not everybody does. Well, then... Shamak's not... You know, Shamak closes down when it, when it suits him. But, you know, um, Cameron Jerome would, ch- would chase a ball that's clearly going out of play into the corners, you know, just to keep the, keep the momentum up and, and put people under pressure. And I'd, and I'd, you know, all right, he didn't score... 20 goals a season, but no one does in our team. Well, I, I think our work ethic pu- is vital. I think there might have been a Pulis effect on, on Cameron Jerome. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, no, don't he, deny it, but I, I, he does seem, it still uh, happened, didn't it? You know, yeah, it doesn't matter um, who was in charge. But just, just being, you know, with, with Pulis being as vocal and, 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 and barking his orders at specific players instead of a, a whistle and a, and a you know, a, half a call of, of someone's first name, he, you can hear him the whole game over the crowd. Um, I don't think Warnock's like that. He likes to just, uh, I don't know, make his point to the full official. He's quite vocal. He's out there in the touchline. He's very animated. Well, okay, he's a bit I'm older a, these days. He does good a, glasses gestures yeah, at fourth officials when they, when they the don't see something. I, I don't hear him, so, but I could, you know, I could hear Pulis last year. But anyway, it's, it's by the by. I just, horses for courses. You know, Cameron Jerome didn't, he, he, didn't, he didn't bring his goals to us. Look, that's that's the thing, Cameron. We all, we all talked about it last season. Let, let's be honest, and we all talked about the job that Cameron Drome did, and everyone said pretty much the same thing, didn't they? That he does a really good job running the, running the channels. He's a good, strong physical presence. Up Calvin there, Andrew did that. No, I, I can't. I can't really. Did he? Did he? No, though? He, didn't. Did he might have done he it did. once. He did. He, he run didn't. Around, he ran he around. Didn't. They just no. run around. You can get players that run around. But anyway, but look, let's, let's not. You can't. You can't. Look. London, London Eagle. I just said in the chat room exactly the same thing as Gerald just a moment before Gerald said it about um, Calvin Andrew. Yes, yeah, um, Cameron Jerome's marmite in the in the chat room. He might well be. Look, whatever, whatever, whatever the situation. We'll come back to the chat room. But Campbell, Campbell's going to be marmite as well. The thing, is, right? The point I was going to make is that no one would claim that Cameron Jerome scored enough goals for Palace, would they? So, and everyone said. What we, what we want for next season, our, our upgrade to improve us from 11th, you know, and we all thought Tony Pires would be in charge. We all thought lots of different things. Everyone said we need to upgrade Cameron Drone with a striker who could score goals. So no one was fussed when he left. But when we didn't get one in, you know... Well, we, we didn't have to get one in. We already, we've already got one. But one who doesn't do who? the donkey work. <laughs> but, but you can't... That's required in the system. But he's, a, he's an off-the-shoulder striker. It's completely different. So we've got to change the system for him. Well, we don't have to, do we? What we have to do is make our forward players, the ones that are sitting behind a striker, more aware of, tr- of trying to lay our strikers in. Um, who's sitting behind our stri- striker? Uh, you've got Shamak, who's played, like, just come back into the side. But other than that... Well, he's fit to come back into the side, which means yeah. he's, he's fit enough to do whatever to, so, to lay knock-ons. So we then go back to Ledley, Jedanak and MacArthur when they're all fit. Who do you drop there? I don't know. Look, I don't... 
I don't. Who do think, I drop? Yeah. I told you last week who yeah, I dropped. Yeah, you said Jed last I week. I would drop him. Um, we're going to get a little bit bogged down yeah, in this. Let's can't just, drop him. Um, sorry, did you have any more to add on the chat room? You said you'd like. No, no, it was just um, they said. Uh, Mark Mike. We need to speak into our mics so they can hear us. Sorry, boys in the chat room. We're learning. Well, yeah. I'd like to know who specifically needs to speak into their mic so I can shout at them or look at them in an angry way. It's but anyway. Handbound, according to Chapman. Lies, all of it. <laughs> <laughs> could you, say that, could you say that into the microphone, please? <laughs> Lies. <laughs> anyway, um, West Brom couldn't really get back, back into the game after we, we went 1 0 up. Um, not at all. Played some really nice football as well, which was pleasing. Um, but. Uh, well, no, I suppose ball retention is one of the things we've been bothered about of late. And if you look at the stats from the game, 31% overall. But I would say if you stopped it at the second half, I don't know what the first half uh, stats were, but I would say we had an awful lot of the ball towards the end of that first half. Looked pretty sort of dominant. It was nice to see, wasn't it, Albert? It was, it, was, it was looking like a strong, confident Palace performance. Yeah, you know, we're not famous for keeping the ball. So when it does happen, it's a, it's a bit of a treat, in all honesty. Um, <laughs> You know, cruising toward that. You know, West Brom probably just wanted to get to half time, so which is why we probably found ourselves stroking the ball around quite nicely. Um, yeah, you know, any, any game where you go in two 0 up at half time, you're hoping that you come out, and then you, you know, I hate to use the cliche, but the third goal is vital. Um, <laughs> but you know, you hope you come out, and you, you know, you either keep the ball enough to, to you know, withhold any pressure, or you know, or you, you you carry on as you've done in the first half, nick a third, and Hopefully, you know, it's game over. Unfortunately, and, you know, it was circumstances out of our control. That obviously wasn't the case. And I guess we're going to talk about that now. Yeah, we, we are. Yeah, we are. I mean, obviously, one of the things to, to point out that we haven't actually mentioned. Um, <laughs> apparently, according to the Daily Mail, one week till completion of the Josh Harris deal. We'll uh, try and get some full details on that before we end the show. We'll but, try um, and get him on the phone. Yeah, try and get him on the phone. That's a the time, time difference. Speaking yeah. into the mic, you're like a tribute to the tweet for uh, whispering Bob Harris. Whispering Bob Harris. Coming and, up next um, is... Which one of us is Rolf Harris? Right. I'm going to not ask you for any more information from the chat room for a while until they've behaved themselves. Um, Thank you, John, the programme seller. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, look. Programme ruiner. Event, obviously, we mentioned the, penalty, the second penalty earlier on. <laughs> the, uh, uh, so we won't dwell too much on it. Obviously, Yannick Velassi sort of ran through in the area. And you're right, it was Pognacoli, yeah, him. Number 15. Number, number 15, who, um, who'd already made two awful challenges and slid in sort of to try to get, sort of basically hook his leg around Balassi. Just ended up with Balassi sitting on his leg, really. Um, clear penalty when you look back at it. Like you say, from a different angle, it looks a bit dodgy, but it was a pen. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Mila Jednak's um, uh, penalty technique. Didn't you know if you noticed it? If you noticed what he does? Hit it. He does hit it, and he, but... As he runs up, as he gets strikes the ball, looks away. He I does. looked away from the, from the mic when I did it. Looks away. Looks away. Well, I, th I thought he was just looking down at the ball like he's supposed to. No, 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 no. He actually turns his head away from the ball and looks down at the floor. Stop the keeper knowing where he's putting That's it. That's potential punching territory. I'm not happy with that. <laughs> it, on his, well, it seems to be working quite yeah. well so far. <laughs> there was a, there was a uh, still that came up during the game on Twitter from it, and actually, uh, a sort of pitch side photographer had taken. As you've got, you've got the ball about a foot away after he's hit it, and you've got, and he's, his head sort of tucked in, almost tucked into his armpit. Terrifying, but it's a good, well, it's working for him, isn't it? 
No, I thought it was quite interesting to uh, discuss, but obviously not everyone's noticed it. That doesn't really um, help the opposition keeper either, does No, that's, that's obviously the reason. It's probably the thinking there. behind it. Mm, yeah, I would say so. That was the, the hidden sort of... As opposed to the old point where you're going to put it trick. Yeah, he can't <laughs> give you the eyes, can he? Yeah, you can't see. One direction and mm. make your eyeballs go in the other. Anyway, that was, that was perfect. That was just before half-time, when in rich reward for our efforts in the first half. I, I didn't see them coming back. Oh God, no. I was no. so comfortable. I had a feeling, but yeah. <laughs> that's, that's just general pessimism. You know, I can't yeah, say. That's you know. being a Palace fan. Well, there you go. It's experience. But what changed? What changed the game was the substitution of Sessignon, who'd had a bit of a mare uh, and just, just looked ineffective. And was the only one that was booked. And was the only one that was booked, yeah. I can't even remember his booking now, but. Um, I think he was a tug on Ledley. Yeah. That's all it was. Something so very steady on. <laughs> Um, I just, yeah, okay, so what changed was Session came off and um, Victor Anachebe came on. Uh, I didn't think Victor and who? Victor, Victor Anachebe, yeah. Yeah, so they brought two people on, that's why it, why it works so well. Referee. <laughs> what, what, um, so yeah, sorry, basically he came on, held the ball up brilliantly, used the space and linked their midfield and, and their attack. There was no link between their midfield and attack in the, in the first half because of how well our midfield, particularly Jednak in that first half, just, at, just cut down everything. Every, there was no real interception. Ledley was all over the pitch. He was absolutely brilliant. And they, they had to change something. And Alan Irvine said after the game that he'd, they'd seen a, you know, his team had seen a side to him that they hadn't seen. You know, he got right, right into him in, in that, that half-time half break about just how badly that they'd played in the first half. And that change worked. We'd, and... and where the criticism has come, and that's what I want to talk about now, Neil Warnock was criticised for not changing anything, 2-0 up at half-time, and not responding to the, to the change, I suppose. If but it ain't broke, don't fix it. But what can you do? In a way, it's a really hard team talk, isn't it, to give. When you, your side comes in and they've played brilliantly, they're 2-0 up at half-time, and the, the home opposition don't look like doing anything. What would you say to the team, Chris? You'd say... Keep going. Keep doing what you're doing. Try and get another goal. Bear in mind, you've got 15 minutes to fill. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You've said two. You said about three words there. <laughs> yeah, but I'd wait for a while before going into the dressing room. You know. Oh, I see. You're just going so right at the end. You, 14 <laughs> minutes and 55 seconds. <laughs> you, would, you, would you let everybody know that there are some oranges available before you give your talk and that kind of thing? Yeah, I suppose we could do that. Um, but that's about it. I mean, it's not an awful lot to say, is there? And that, that's, I suppose that's where the manager earns his money. But you can't do anything other than send that team out the same way. You must have expected them. They, they must have expected West a reaction and, a, and attack. The way that he did Man United just a few days before. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just cool. ridiculous for us to go up there and take them apart. There had to be a reaction. Um, and they've got some quality players, and that's exactly what they did do. Mm. Um, I mean, I've seen some silly things saying that, we, you know, they could have scored six or seven in that half. I don't, I don't no. think they would have scored that. They did react by elbowing our goalkeeper in the face, which isn't really in the spirit of the <laughs> contentious game. Contentious. Mm, it, it was barely, I wouldn't even call it contentious. It was just I don't think we should even talk about it. It's just, you know, there's, it there's no debate to be had. Someone phoned the police. It was genuinely horrific. I, I don't think, like I said before, I don't think you can do anything other than send our team out the same way. But yes, they'd made a change and we needed to think about, you know, the, you've got to try and think about what's the best way of doing it. How do you how do you deal with this change? And what you expect is you expect your players that are out on the pitch to well, deal with well, it. Well, Jedinak, firstly, is the captain. And he should yeah. be liaising with, 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 uh, with the sidelines. Well, potentially, but not, not just not failing that. They've not got an extra player. It's the same number of players. So 
player in Sessegnon's gone off, there's been a change, you know, in, in the system, there's been a change in the way they're operating. And what I mean, what what do you do? I mean, what else can you do other than rely on your players to pick up on on what's happening on the pitch in front of them? There's, so no, there's no manager in the world that would have made any any major change no. to that team. Like you say, unless there's an injury, you know, there's there's no you know, they didn't they didn't bring on Diego Costa, you know, we're not, we're not going to completely, re, you know, reshape our team, you know, because of Victor and Achieve. No. Um, so you know, what you know, like you say, what do you do? You, you just hope you just hope it carries on. So I mean, obviously, what did happen was fairly quickly they got back into the game. They got that lifeline. That that like when you when you look at the ball coming, obviously, what happened? There was a save. Sparani did a. It was a really good save. Ball around yeah. Ferreira. Really good save. Top um, draw. You know and. In a way, the, the angle, it was lucky that he went out for a corner, not a throw on um, from the save. He got, you know, got a good, fairly strong hand on it. But they got the corner, and like you say, we got a strong, tall team. We expect to defend those things pretty well. We've been undone a little bit this season by set pieces, but um, what you expect, if you're going to concede a goal, you expect it to be a well-worked set piece. You don't expect it to be a physical assault on your goalkeeper. Um, now, there's a school of opinion that Alan Irvine gave that the header was made before uh, before the Dawson's arm in the face of Speroni. So Which isn't true. I don't I don't it was about the same time, wasn't it, I'd say. There's, I, I can't I think it was on Twitter, somebody took a screen grab and the yeah, the, the elbows in the face and the ball's not in the net. So but, um, even so, even if he's given the goal, surely you can still send the fellow off. There weren't there weren't a fact there weren't a, an original uh, from my point of view, I don't think there was a Originally a foul in that in that same that same movement for the goal. I don't think it was a foul on Spurrier. I think it was just a good old-fashioned centre forward getting in there where he where he's you know where he's going to get hurt. He's going to get a punch in the face or he's going to score a goal. But you know it was, it was the, the Dawson side of things that we've got the ump with. I, I, honestly, I can't see had it been up the other end, we'd have just gone, yeah, what he, he beat the goalkeeper, which he did. But I'm, yeah, but I'm not okay. arguing with you with the, with the fact that. I don't personally think it's a foul, but in every other game, 99% of games, especially in the Premier League, oh, top four. you can't even touch a goalkeeper. No, you can't. And he no. had, he had, I think it was Berahino, I can't think of the other player, it was, it all was over like... him. And, but that's, that's before Dawson arrives and elbows him in the face. Well, in the first half, if you ever look, they slow-moed it on Sky and, and, and showed you Berahino in the first half grabbing Jules' jersey when he went to jump for a ball yeah. and stopped him jumping. And, they, and neither the referee or the lino, and one of those linos is in line with that yeah, play. Yeah, but it's so quick, gel. It. It no, it doesn't. It doesn't, because it's, because it's the other way around. If a defender pulls the jersey of an attacker, it's a penalty, and I'll give you those now. Mm. But for, for some reason, yesterday, we've both goalkeepers... It was both. It wasn't just our goalkeeper. Yeah. You know, there was a, a dubious challenge before on Foster. Uh, you know, it, it, the referee decided well, it was kick a goalkeeper day. On that, on that, on the Hangelan uh, goal, they, Irvine said it was similar. There was a similar challenge. Well, I think Jedinek was in front of him. Wasn't he, he was in front of him, but I'd say the, the biggest impedance to Foster was three of his own players. Yeah, you're right. That, yeah. That's be, I mean, like, because you know three I mean? of his own players were trying to get Jednak out of the yeah, way, whereas three of our players players. weren't trying to get Anishibi out of the way no. of smashing, of smashing, scoring, smashing our goalkeeper, th- and allowing. If there was three of ours for every one of theirs by our goalkeeper, there would be about fifty people in the box. Do you know what I mean? It's like you can't. I don't think the two are comparable, and I was pretty offended by that, to be honest, as a comment from Irvine. Because he, he's not addressed the, the direct, deliberate, physical assault of a, on our goalkeeper. 
And he's deliberate. deliberate or do you think he's oh, it's deliberate. Of it's deliberate. He's jumped at him. He's looking at he's him. He's absolutely led a flying yeah. elbow. It's, it's no... It's, it's like the... Um, do you remember Dixie Dean was one of the best top scorers? I don't no. And, um, Nobody remembers that here. Oh, and uh, <laughs> most of his goals right, you might were like it. that. You just bundled at the goal. Listen, it, it, if you did that... The people go on about the, you know, the differences between football players and rugby players. If you did that on a rugby pitch, you'd be cited. I can assure you you'd be cited. And you'd be missing anything between four and nine games for that. Because he elbowed him. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't matter. But he didn't elbow him. Just Six in a, games. In a, he's absolutely caned him and knocked him out. And, uh, you know, even it's, if it was for a second or two. The thing is, with elbows, when, when it's two players, whether that's the goalie or a player, just you know, literally jumping from a standing mm. position... To you know, to try and win a ball, you know, arms do go out, and you know, it's not always. It's some, you know, sometimes it's a straight arm with an elbow in the face. But you look at him; he he, he comes pelting in, which is you know, he's got a right to do. He's got a, he's got a, a right to run from the 18-yard line to try and win the ball. But there's a there's a very distinct point during his run, and you know, again, it's benefits of slow motion and replays. It's a very noticeable, distinct point where his arm goes from being straight to a, a very intentional. Elbow-shaped, yeah, elbow, uh, and it, you know it, 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 it poleaxes for only in the face, and it, it, you know it doesn't matter where the ball is for my, you know. yeah, it's so the whole thing is so quick. You can't, he, Irvine can't say the ball's in the net when it happens because it isn't. And even if it is, even if it's potentially crossing the line, the fact is there's someone's it's part of the play. It's part of the play. Someone's been elbowed in the in the in the face, and no that's goal. you know, I mean, we all know how they feel about head injuries in football. It's an instant stop the game get the medical staff on and for, to, for Irvine to brush over it and Steve Claridge for that matter is uh, it's outrageous I just I can't just I can't get over the fact that that can happen and none of the match officials have seen it that's that's what it is for me because I mean if you, you can give the goal and you can still give a red card can't you you can say is, is sorry sorry your keeper didn't get near the ball uh, and your defenders didn't get above and he's and he's got the ball in the net Sorry, it's one. You know, it's it's two one. That would be contentious to actually give him a red card and let, let the goal stand. Yeah, I don't know because you, that's I'm part of the, it's all part of the all part of mm. the, the actual f- of the play, isn't it? Where he's where he's if done you, it. If I'm, I'm I'm only trying to sort of surmise it from the point of view that if say a, a free kick's been given and then off the ball someone punches someone in the face, they get a red card, wouldn't they? Well, yeah. listen, as, as, like as with that. our club, you know, we all, we're always, uh, one way or another, we're always caught up with contentious decisions mm. and for whatever it is, people leaping in the crowd or going down fourth place and, and, and being third and not going into Europe. We're always caught up with something. This could be a first where, where a player is cited for something that can only be caught in a slow-motion replay. Mm. And that's the thing that angers more people, is especially Palace fans, and, you know, and we would have rose-tinted glasses as such, is that... It, it, it's just the way that when it is slowed down, how deliberate it looks. That's the thing. You can, you can be... Yeah. He's running. Completely. He could take his elbow out of the way. He could, he, could, he could launch himself. If he'd have launched himself head first, as if he was going to head it, and then headed one of our players, you could go, well, I was, he was going to head the ball. But yeah. he's led with his elbow. And I, the other thing is as well, is he's glanced him. That's the only thing he's done. He's glanced him and, 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 and caused his injury. If he'd have made any heavier contacts... It's in the cheek, I have isn't a, it? If, I have if, a, if, if, yeah, if it is him in the temple, up, yeah, I think, I think there's, there's potential of him, seriously, of him you know, being, being mm. brutally hurt. But anyway, as you say, Palace have to put off an awful lot of contentious things. It seems to be that seems to be the way things go. Um, we had we had the, the situation where we've had our keeper effectively knocked out and have to replace him, he and didn't then want kick to come up, did he? No, he didn't. No, but 
when you get a knock to the head sometimes, it's like, if you know the story, like, if, oh, remember when Richard Hammond had that thing happen to him um, in, you know, for Top Gear? Yeah. And he got out and he wanted to do his piece to camera when they, when they took him out of the car, like, and about an hour after that, he was lying in hospital in a coma. Like, that's what happens with your head. You can't take any risks. Neil Watts absolutely right not to take a risk with that yeah, head. Yeah, fully agree. And you look, you look at him later on, he's sitting on the bench with a giant ice pack on his head, just... That, I mean, that, that tells you all you need to know. It was the right decision. Uh, but, he, yeah, he, was, he wanted to carry on. Of course he did. Um, and I don't think it, uh, that had any real effect on the game. But, I mean, the, the pattern of the game after we, we'd seeded that goal, I mean, obviously they got a huge amount of, um, you know, a huge impetus from, from getting back in the game. Their crowd were lifted. The crowd didn't make a single noise in that first half. The no. second half, they were absolutely well, they boing boinging They were indeed boing boinging Um and, yeah, we found it really difficult. And uh, Warnock was on the sidelines trying to, to almost trying to sort of gesture to the players to calm down, to get a bit of a grip and try and get hold of the ball. But they just could not do it. Um, and I've called it on, on my show notes hot potato syndrome. And it really was that. It wasn't, and it, you know, it's not, not one or two players. It's the whole team. Not one of the players wanted the ball. And as soon as they had it, they tried a first-time pass to someone else or hoof it into the channel. We just, just got completely, completely rocked by what happened. Um, and Neil Warnock got a lot of criticism for his use of subs, use of subs, but I thought he got absolutely bang on yesterday. Other than there's a slight argument about the fact that Belassi suddenly lost everything, just like and he just could not run at all and got switched to centre forward. Um, for Fraser Campbell had to go right wing because Belassi didn't have anything left in the tank at all. But up until the, up to the point where he made the substitution, where he took Zaha off, Zaha was not in the game. Really, really struggled. Uh, go on, Joe. And that's exactly what happened against Chelsea. Mm. Yeah, that's Yannick a went point. up front. So, so uh, we run out of, of subs against Chelsea at that point. Yeah, we had obviously we had, um, and we'd run out of subs yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's happening, isn't it? It's happening a lot. But the thing is, I suppose uh, there were both, in both games we've had injuries forced on us. So, yeah. that was, so, so we've had two tactical substitutions and one necessary. Yeah. So it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a harsh one to have a go at him, really, for it. Um, a lot of people were suggesting maybe because uh, Gerdiora came off the bench, did you know? Did he have the impact we wanted him to have? Um, and the what same... impact is Adelaide Gerdiora supposed to have? Well, that's not me being. Yeah, that's yeah. not me being disparaging. No. In, impacted what... going forward. Going forward, he's a forward player, but he but he has got pace. Apparently, I, I would note. See, for me, what what we needed at that time, and what what I would have actually put him on, put him on as well, um, because we're in a real physical battle with West Brom. There's a lot of the, a lot of the ball was in the air. We're seeing a lot of it from us, so that we needed we needed a bit of height off the bench, um, and we also needed someone who could get their foot on the ball and play a few passes around. And for a spell, it worked. For a spell, it really did work. We did hold yeah. on to the ball a bit now. Yeah, we did. Um, and it was just we just literally ran out of legs, unfortunately. But it actually arrested the problems that we were having. The problems we were having is that we just couldn't keep the ball for more than a second. Uh, those two changes when he when he brought on um, uh, Punchin for Zaha and he brought on uh, Gediora for Shamak, though they enabled us to get the ball and to stop the constant barrage of pressure for a period of time, but just not long enough. And the key point was when Balassi ran out of legs uh, because we had no out. You know, he's he's what we look for. Every ball when we when we're under pressure, we look for him. And he just wasn't able to why, give. Why is their fitness going? Because I've thought Palace prided themselves on, on being a fit team that go all the way to the end. You've got to look at you've got to look at things like the international situation. We've got Balassi in particular has had to travel an awful lot, and 
you know, and playing he's playing ninety minutes in both those games and travelling again. But he's he's not someone you'd ever think would sort of themselves really, really hard. Um and say I suppose tactically you've got to say that the demands on Yannick are pretty pretty strong at the moment because like I said, he's our outball every time. Every time we want to start a quick break, he's our outball. And that's why he's the one who starts. Especially when Zaha's not on the pitch. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the only criticism I personally would have given him for the subs is that, with, and only, that's only with the benefit of hindsight, is that Zaha would have had more legs than Balassi to finish the game. Um, but Zaha was less effective in that second half. So. And he's not been fully fit for no, no. a few weeks either. So still, it's kind of I still want him to start like a big Oh, definitely, start yeah, next, definitely. I fully agree. The but next, you know, four or five games. He maybe. did 120 minutes against Newcastle, and then and then apparently had an ankle injury. And you know, it's mm. I think I think we're unfortunate with when you look at the fitness of Zaha. I would say Balassi with his international responsibilities and Shamak, I think just coming back. There are there are three players who you expect to keep keep the ball in in the opposition's half slash final third and when when you can't have a you haven't got those all fully fit you've got to make sacrifices somewhere down the line yeah and you know it it becomes a less than ideal scenario yeah definitely Um, uh, just trying to pick up on a few we've got a couple of tweets a lot of people still were talking about Schmack um, and Campbell well Media Easier has said that Schmack and Campbell up top for him still that's that's the sort of we want to see going forward it's on the Gale debate. Um, Richard Little talking about Camels. It didn't stop running yesterday. Fits into our ethos. And uh, Simon Goddard talking about the West Brom fans. Um, so they did only have that drum and only one rhythm. Um, it was pretty annoying, to be fair to him. But yeah, let's say they did get behind the side uh, towards the end. Um, Equaliser, injury time. And when the injury time is caused by a six or seven minute you know, injury from a horrific challenge... So we can, we're being punished twice there for inaction, aren't we? Mm. Does that not? St- no one seemed to say that after the game. Everyone was saying, you know, obviously it was a rubbish challenge, but we actually ended up conceding in time allotted on that was allotted on because of an unpunished injury, like an uh, unpunished challenge. Yeah, but the injury would still exist, wouldn't it? The time still would have been used. I know it's, it's an interesting point, but... Um it just made me angry. I know, Very quite rightly, angry. quite rightly. You know, it's well, we, we, we scored in injury time against Newcastle and it swings and roundabouts. I suppose mate. it is, yeah, and it was injury time. Yeah, but we didn't try and take wrong. anyone's head off against Newcastle. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, it was just, it just, for me, I can't say we deserved any better out of the, out of the second half performance, in all honesty. If, if you'd have asked me before the game, would you take a two-all draw against, away to West Brom, I'd have said, yeah. Um... I think, and I've always seen West Brom as a kind of barometer of how we're doing when when they were doing quite well in the Championship. I'd, I always wanted to see how Palace matched up against them, and invariably it was a two-all draw. I fully I fully agree before before the game, but you know, like you say, at half time we looked like we were in control, and you know, one goal is definitely a, a refereeing injustice. And as yeah. we're approaching the equaliser, there's an argument to say that the second goal. Jason Punchin. That's Jason. the last thing we'll, we'll talk about because I want to just just to sum up the referee, and then we've we've got to we've got to finish. Um, in terms of a refereeing display, Neil Warnock said it was an excellent refereeing display overall, barring two or three things. Obviously, heavily influenced by the fact he's going to get another fine for what he just said in the previous game. Um, I wouldn't say it was an excellent refereeing display myself, but the fact that Dawson and, and number fifteen. Came out of the game without any 
you know, and yellow cards, yellow cards. We can't, you know, we can't bang, you know, bang the drum of our, you know, they should, they should have had a yellow card because at the end of the day, it's only a yellow card. Yeah. Same with John Terry last week. However, it, yeah, it was far from a good, you know, he got, he got both penalty calls right, you know. Yeah. But, you know, both were penalties as far as I'm concerned. Were they? No, the, the, no. Jedin, the Jedinek one was slowed down on Sky today. Okay, go on. And he got the ball. Did he it? got but it's, the but ball. It's, it's so slowed it's, down. Yeah, but, but what I'm saying is it, it, it's completely irrelevant. We had to slow it right the way down to see our goalkeeper get elbowed in the face. No, but that's the thing. I don't think you do. I think you can, you can see that. You watch that back in real time. Well, but what I'm saying is they've, they've actually slowed it down. And again, this is what Trevor Francis said. As, as much as I... He winds me up with some of the stuff he says. Can he breathe through his nose yet? Is <laughs> <laughs> he did say that he just thought that every he got every decision that he needed to get wrong, mm. get right. He got wrong the, the, regarding the Zaha penalty. Yeah, Zaha yeah. penalty. Our penalty. The, the, got that right. The goalkeeper infringement and and, our, and the one that that Jelinek was supposed to have given away. Like you say, in, in in real time, they all look like they all just look genuine. But you need to. You know, this this multi multi millions at stake now. It's terrible, isn't it? No, well, well I'll tell you what, this is this is this is how much it affected us. Had we won two one yesterday, we would have been tenth. Yeah, yeah. We drew two two and we're sixteenth. Exactly, yeah. Well, so there we go. It's, it, it it's means massive. too much now, doesn't it? It's it means massive. It means too much. And Six places. Two games in a two games in a row where I mean you you know, you can say we we shouldn't have got much out, we shouldn't have got anything out of Chelsea anyway, but two games in a row we've through no through no fault of our own, we've ended up you know, getting getting sort of results that you could argue we should have bettered, and certainly against West Brom, we should have won that game. Can I? I'm just going to mention oh, something that mate of mine he put a thread on the Homestyle about about uh, Warnock, you know, having a go at referees. And he said last time that, that that he was in charge of us, he had a go at the referees, and we started to get decisions, noticeably get decisions go against us, mm. and exactly the same thing is happening. It's just going to, but I know, I'm pretty sure it's coincidence. But I, yeah, I, I do feel we got a rough end of it last year as well. Um, but you always do. I guess you always well, we do. We've got a small, we're just, a small club, a small yeah, club mentality. Just, just to thing. make a point, though, um, and I need to end the review on this because we're going to get kicked out of this room any second. Um, we're well, at the half time. Mark Clattenburg was booed off by the West Brom fans. Yeah. Um, for all I could really picture in that first half that he got wrong was not giving us a penalty for the challenge on Wolf. Uh, he failed to book players that should have been booked for them. Uh, I don't think we got anything, any benefit of any real decision uh, but they booed him off and said he's not fit to referee. Which is what we were singing to the at referee at the Chelsea game at and half time. And we, we sang it to Clattenburg at full, you know, towards full time. It's amazing how things, things cloud your mind but when you get to watch them back and you get to watch what really happened, we are getting the rough end of the deal at the moment. Uh, just to end with, um, I'm sure we'll be talking about referees again very, very soon. Just to end with, um, the Daily Mail story on Josh Harris uh, is that the actual words are, and it's Sammy Mockbell for Mail Online, to give him the credit, were that uh, American tycoon Josh Harris's proposed takeover of Crystal Palace will enter its final stages this week with a deal close to completion. News broke of Harris's interest on Friday night and Sportsman understands negotiation between him and current Eagles Supremo Steve Parrish are now at a very advanced stage. Do you reckon he'll, he'll call in the transfer specials like Steve does? Do you want to know the fee for the club that's been agreed according to Sammy? Quick guess. $75. Jeff. I'm going to say... $90 million. $65 million. Pounds. 70, 70 million quid. 
75 million earlier on tape. You listen. Yes. On tape? Oh. <laughs> Come on, bro. This is digital. Oh, dear. Anyway. Um, yeah. so, it's so it's $100 million. They, yeah. they value, he values our club at $100 million. There you go. Mark. So let's, um, let's end the show there. Thank, <laughs> thanks, chaps. Um, really appreciate it. I really, obviously, we had a, a lot of technical issues at the very, very start. Um, and I'm sure there's been various different things that have been confusing for as much as for us as for they were. The you flickering light in this room is really light in the room is really bad. Um, there was an awful lot of noise from the producing team. I'm going to punch repeatedly as soon as this ends. Um, and obviously, yeah, we've got issues with, with microphones. But if you can let us know what you thought of the new environment and what you what you didn't like and anything that you did like. Um, you might want to mention that Nick could try not to be blackout drunk next time he tries to do a radio show. <laughs> yes. Um, that might be an idea. But we'll let him Good off. He's on, it's half Smith. term. He's all right. We'll let him off. Um, anyway, cheers for listening, and we'll be back next week. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Oh, I have to stop it. <laughs> oh. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.